Amen. Isn't it good to be in church in the middle of the week? God's been so good to us. We're thankful for it and appreciate His goodness and grace in our lives. And let me take a few minutes just to introduce ourselves. We'll follow the Lord tonight, what He has on our hearts. But uh, we bring greetings from the Granite State Baptist Church up in Concord, New Hampshire. And uh, excuse me, Concord, New Hampshire. And uh, we, we adjust when we come down south. We call it Concord up there, okay? You'll understand that in November. But uh, God's been good to us. We're originally from the state of Maine. My dad started an independent Baptist church up there back in 1975. I grew up as a preacher's kid, and uh, I don't regret a minute of it. And uh, I don't believe you have to get to 17, 18, 19 years old and say you have to go sow your wild oats and regret the ministry and run away from God and then in order to come back and, and uh, in order to have a great testimony. And uh, so saved at the age of five, God called us to preach when I was eight years old at a Bible camp. And uh, Dad had me preach my first message on a Wednesday night, seven points on trusting God when I was nine years old, and uh, went through seven points in five minutes. I pulled that message out for this evening. I'm just kidding. And uh, but God's been good to us. We enjoyed what God saw, uh, had for our lives, married my high school sweetheart, and uh, just passed the 19-year mark on that. We're thankful for that. And uh, she's back home praying for us tonight. And uh, we thank the Lord. We got married and three months later um, hit the road full time with the Rock of Ages prison ministry. And uh, it was a month after we were married that uh, the Lord had us surrender to the Rock of Ages. And two months later in November of 98 is when we took off and joined the ministry, started traveling. So that's all our family ever knew. <clears throat> and so don't... Don't try to tell us that it, we, we don't understand and that the ministry's not good. That's all our family has known since the day we were married and went full-time and served the Lord. And uh, being a, a country boy from Maine, I honestly believe that God would just leave us up there and, uh, and just be able to serve Him after Bible college, after we got married and uh, started serving Him. But God had other plans and uh, put a King James Bible under our arms. And we've been able to set foot on six continents preaching the gospel. And I've uh, been able to see one saved, at least one saved on every continent. And uh, what God's done, we enjoyed it. We loved it. Loved the ministry. Lived up the road here, Cleveland, Tennessee, for 13 years. And uh, we were with the Rock of Ages for 18 years total. And it was about the 15-year mark. God was working on our hearts. And uh, you know when a, when a stirring starts coming... And I uh, wasn't sure we'd been working 10 years over in Ghana, West Africa, and uh, with the Rock of Ages, been back and forth several times, and Crystal was ready. It didn't matter if we were packing up, moving to Africa, moving to the Philippines, moving somewhere. We just knew God had something for us. God started burdening our hearts through a process of events and circumstances and prayer time, and uh, back up in the Northeast. And I, I don't know if you've watched any of the news, if, you, if you've checked the spiritual condition. Uh, Dr. David Gibbs with Christian Law Association, he said about a year and a half ago, he said, if we, leave, if we lose the Northeast, we've lost America. And that corridor from Washington, D.C. up to Boston, just, just over 425, 450 miles, somewhere in there, the millions of people that live up that I-95 corridor... 
And uh, so we knew if there was anything here in the States, it was back up in the Northeast. That's our home. And uh, we see it up there. So God started burdening our hearts for New Hampshire. We only have about 1.3 million people in the whole state, okay? And uh, so it's not a big state, the capital city of, of Concord. We knew there was a great need, okay? My dad was pastoring at that time up in northern New Hampshire. He had moved from Maine over to northern New Hampshire. We'd preached at some other churches, and, and uh, God just started burdening our hearts. And so a, an old preacher walked by me one day, and he said, Brother Peter, he said, there's, there's too much coming up in New Hampshire, for God not to have something for you up there. And uh, so we kept praying, talked to our pastor at the time, and, and uh, God pretty well settled in our hearts, said it would be Concord, New Hampshire. I said, well, I said, we, we've got our support, and uh, by no means what it, was it, what it should have been for moving up to Concord, okay? Things were a little bit higher living up there in the Northeast. For example, we bought a foreclosure, two and a half acres of property, and our taxes right now are $6,300 a year. And uh, so just to put it in perspective, we moved up there, rented a single wide trailer in a trailer park for $950 a month. And uh, so praise the Lord, that was a tremendous deal too. And uh, we thanked the Lord for it, moved into that single wide. But we started praying, saying, God, you burdened our hearts. And um, we put our house on the market up here in Cleveland. And uh, we took off, headed up there. And I uh, said, Lord, if, if you want it to sell, it's yours. We, we'd, we'd been probably five, six hours total in the city. God put the city on our hearts. And then we put our house on the market and said, let's go check out the city. Four weeks to the day, God gave us a contract on our house. And I uh, knew we were supposed to go. It clo- it, we, we closed early, actually put everything in storage, had to carry it up there, put it in someone's barn um, because we weren't ready to move yet, but God was ready to sell the house and um, this November will be four years that uh, God allowed us to be able to start the Granite State Baptist Church. Now, after we moved up there, just to give you some of the history, our city's only about 47,000 people, okay? But I do know this. I believe come Sunday morning, um, we're the only church that will open a King James Bible in our capital city. Now, we moved up from Cleveland, Tennessee, okay? We grew up in Maine. We know, we're independent Baptist. Our capital city doesn't even have a Southern Baptist church in our capital city. And uh, just nothing else there. And uh, so we knew the need was great. But until we get up there, we didn't understand completely how much of a need there was. And so we moved up there. Then the the statistics came out. And at that time in 2013... The Boston to Manchester, New Hampshire, that corridor, and we're 15 miles north of that, was number four on the least Bible-minded cities in America. Least Bible-minded cities, that's where God had us go. Well, since then, we've moved to number two as the least Bible-minded cities in America, those regions. It used to be out west was the, the Northwest and California used to be some of the greatest needs there have been across our nation. Now, when the statistics come out, eight out of the top ten were from Albany, New York, going northeast. Now, listen, that's where it started. That's, that's where the gospel started 
back when it came over. Now listen, I'm not saying everything that settled here, the Puritans and everybody coming over, listen, they weren't the the most God-fearing people, freedom of religion. We say our nation, Harvard, Yale, they, they weren't all built on freedom of religion up there, okay? In fact, you can go downtown Boston and there's a statue of a lady named Mary Dyer that back in the late 1600s that she was actually hung on Boston Commons because she wanted to change from being a Puritan to being a Quaker. And they hung her for wanting to change religions back in the Massachusetts Bay Colonies. The first Baptist came to New Hampshire in the winter of 1692 into 1693 and the winter was too severe for them so they moved to the extreme south, Portsmouth, Rhode Island. And so that's where they went to. And the first Baptist church was established down in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. We have a rich history. Now it's come full circle. Now we're the least Bible-minded cities. We're the least Bible-minded regions. And when we went up and started the church, Concord, New Hampshire, Granite State Baptist Church. Now I'll tell you this. God's given us a building now. I'll get into that in just a minute. When God gave us our, our property to be able to build... We were the first church of any kind whatsoever in over 17 years that had gotten their own property and building in the city of Concord. That had been 17 years. And that's what the city told us. They said, this hasn't happened for a long time. And God gave us favor. We started back four years ago. In fact, September the 8th was our first Bible study service whatsoever of any kind that God allowed us to be able to have. So that just came up. We just celebrated that four years. We chartered uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving in November. And uh, we started the church. I told Crystal, I said, I just believe we just need to be ready. I don't think it's just going to be a, a Bible study, you know what I mean, for starting a church in someone's home. I said, I, I just feel... We need to be ready for service. We need, to, we need to have, I mean, singing. We need to have offering plates. We need to have everything. And we had 37 that came in for that first service. And so we put out, going into our grand opening, we put out just under 10,000 door hangers and uh, going across our city. We still have the map in our garage. If you, you come up there right where we park, a, a man took the entire city of Concord and broke it down onto eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. We taped them all together. So as we'd go out knocking doors and door hangers, we just highlight off the entire city as we're going around it. And God started blessing from there. We rented a place down there in our, our city, the conference center, and uh, just watched God start doing some things. We started, like I said, September, October. By November, we said, listen, we need to get a different room a little bit bigger and uh, start growing a little bit. And uh, God moved us into the next place. And uh, God, God has worked miracle after miracle after miracle. And I'll say this, we, we still serve a miracle-working God. Now, I've said over and over, and I believe this, that a lot of times we walk into church on Sunday and midweek, and we're living like God's dead. And, and, and we're, we're talking like God's dead. But can I, we still serve the same God as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We still have the same book. 
we still have the same Holy Spirit. He's indwelling us. And God is still desiring to do a work through just some willing vessels. And so we showed up. God started doing something. Honestly, he's, he, I, I believe He just wants to work. You say, but that's a dark area. Can I say this? I would rather be up there. At least a little light shines the brightest in the darkest of nights, okay? And so we're in one of the darkest corners of our nation. And listen, there's two other buildings in town that have the name Baptist on them. Now, you think about this. When we started going out soul winning, neither one of them are evangelistic. When we started going out soul winning, knocking on doors, they said, well, we've got enough Baptist churches in the town. And I thought, there's two with the name on the door. I said, what would they say if they showed up in Rossville saying how many Baptists? Well, we got plenty of Baptist churches. Two of them in the town, they said, we got enough Baptist churches here. I said, but they're not doing anything. We need to be soul winning. We need to be seeing lives change. And God started working. Now listen, the gospel still works. We exalt Christ. We still open up, and I feel like I need to qualify all of this before I start telling you what God's done, okay? We still open up a songbook on Sunday, okay? We don't have a band on the platform. We still just have a piano and a guitar, and we even have a guy that plays the trumpet once in a while, okay? We still open up a songbook. We still open up the King James Bible. We still preach a gospel message. We still give an invitation, okay? And so all those things, traditional Baptist beliefs, we hold to. So we were in our building for two years and started looking, excuse me, in that rental area, started looking for what God would have for us. We got to the point of averaging over $2,400 a month in rental costs and paying down there at the, at the conference center. And I said, we could, if God will provide, we could buy something and save money. And so sure enough, we started looking, and you, you just have to see the whole thing. But uh, God led us to a, a little piece of property right on a main road, and uh, it had a 50 by 60 metal building. And so I pulled in there one day, and I walked inside, and there's an 88-year-old man sitting inside. His name's Jim Walker. And I walked in, and he said, who are you? Just in that great southern hospitality, okay? Who are you? I said, I'm Peter Chamberlain. He said, who are you with? I said, Granite State Baptist Church. He said, you want to buy the place? Had a little broken for sale by owner sign outside. And I said, well, I said, depends on how much you're asking for it. He said, as much as I can get for it. And I said, well, we're on two ends of the spectrum then. I said, because we're looking to spend as little as we can get for it. He started talking to me, listen, main road, twelve to 15,000 cars a day go by there. He's sitting there, five acres of property, 3,000 square foot metal building, dirt floor, metal shell. And I'm thinking, backs up to the river, absolutely beautiful, and I, there ain't no way. We talked for an hour, okay? At the end of it, he says, I've been asking 750000 He said, I'll give it to the church for 500000 I'm like, you might as well say a million, okay? We're not even two years old and you're asking for a half million dollars. And he said, well, just come back sometime. He said, I enjoyed talking to you even if you don't buy the place. We let it set for the next four months and I told the church, I said, just pray. I said, I feel like the Lord has something for us over there. And I said, but we need, number one, 
him to come down on the price. Number two, the city to be able to approve a church to be able to go in there. And number three, we're going to need the money for it. <laughs> I said, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I said, but if we get through the first two, God provided a miracle, he'll take care of the money. Long story short, the first week of April, his son called me and said, listen, my dad needs to get out of that place. And he said, are you interested? He come back $326,000. Went to the city in July of that year. They voted unanimous, five to nothing, to be able to give us the variance to be able to put a church inside that building. I said, now we need financing with a 20% down payment. And they wanted a, a, a $20,000 deposit. Okay. We wrote out $20,000 deposit without having any promise whatsoever of financing for that building. Non-refundable. How many of y'all would make that deal? $20,000, non-refundable. I said, church, listen, if God wants us to do it, it's not a matter of the amount. We vote yay or nay. Trust God. He'll take care of the rest of it. On the last day, we got a phone call from the bank right there in town. Said, listen, we'll finance the rest of it for you as long as you have your 20% down payment. Sixty-some thousand dollars to be able to put down on it. God brought that in over the next three months. God took care of that money. It took our building fund down, I'll never forget it, down to a dollar and 17 cents in order to buy that piece of property. And someone said, but pastor, that's, that's all of our... Remodel money. We've got a 50 by 60 metal shell with a dirt floor. And we have a dollar and 17 cents. I said, but what good is remodel money if you don't have a building to remodel? God started working over the next eight months. Long story short, we just moved into that building the first week of November last year. Now God's blessing at that point... We've been on support from the Rock of Ages, through the Rock of Ages from our churches. And so last November, we celebrated our three-year anniversary. And as of January the 1st, not only were we in our own building, but God had provided and the church took us on full time. And we got rid of all of our missionary support. And so at the three-year mark, God's provided the miracle of a building. You say, but that can't be done. Well, it can with God. I believe if we're willing to believe it and trust Him. Now listen, I'll be the first one to tell you that what's taking place right now in Concord, New Hampshire is nothing less than a miracle. Now, there's souls coming in, there's people being saved, lives being changed. Lord willing, we got four that are joining on Sunday. God's adding to the church. We're averaging about 120, 125 every Sunday of what God's bringing in. We're actually outgrown our auditorium now. We had 120 or 125 on this past Sunday. We have 135 chairs set up in our auditorium. We can't fit any more. And so we're working on, we created a, a second floor and uh, Lord willing, we're getting that finished off in the next month, month and a half. We're waiting on a sprinkler company right now. We have to sprinkler the building. That's about $9,500 to be able to get the sprinkler system taken care of. And then we'll start using it for junior church, for Sunday school space. And uh, then come spring, we need to add on to the building so that we can use that as an auditorium upstairs 
and Lord willing, we can seat about 250 upstairs and move our auditorium up there, put the addition out the front. And uh, so we're praying this fall that 9,500 for a sprinkler system be about five grand to be able to put the, uh, the foundation in to be ready to be able to build in the spring. And so we've been there for a little over a year. We've been in a, pro- a building project now for a year and a half just trying to keep up with what God's doing. Now listen to me. There is a desire and a, a thirst for traditional church. Not, not every place is wanting to go new age, ecumenical. Listen, we got millennials in our church. We have teenagers in our church. I love our youth group. Lord willing, in March, we're bringing them down to be able to work the week at the Rock of Ages in the print shop, bring our youth group down here. We've got older seasoned Christians. And listen, the old timers are coming in saying, this is what we remember 30 years ago in church. Uh, being able to open up a songbook, have a Bible message. 83-year-old man walked in for the first time this past Sunday morning when he was walking out the door. He said it was just good to be able to hear the Bible preached. I said, that's all that's needed. So God is doing something. And so God's working. Lives are being changed. Souls are being saved. God's adding to His church. And we still baptize in a cattle trough from Tractor Supply. Amen? And uh, we had a baptism the very first groundbreaking Sunday after we purchased it. I said, we got a baptism. Someone we led to the Lord as a result of door knocking, okay? Got baptized three days after we bought and closed on that piece of property. We put down plastic. We, we, we covered over the dirt floor, had church, brought in a cattle trough. I said, what are we going to do for a baptism? So we ran up to Tractor Supply and got ourselves a cattle trough there, filled it up while that water was cold. It was December the 6th up in New Hampshire and uh, no heaters whatsoever. And, uh, but boy, God's been blessing. And we've been having a time and uh, God's so good to us. And so we enjoy what we're doing. Uh, honestly, I'm loving it. Listen, there is such a need. There is such a need. I stopped and talked to a pastor about 30 minutes south of us. He's in a city. Listen, It's the only independent Baptist church there in that city of over 110,000 people. He's running the buses every Sunday morning, seeing people saved. He started the church 25 years ago and uh, just been faithful there. There's nothing to go to church between him and I, 30 minutes. We started heading east. There's a man, Brother Todd Bell, over in Sanford, Maine, 55 miles east of us, just across the main line. Listen, that 55 miles, there's no place I'd stop for church on my way over there. No place whatsoever. You go north, 30 minutes. We got people driving 30 minutes from the north, 35 minutes from the south, 20 minutes from the west. Our circle right now is about an hour's drive all the way around us for people that are coming in because they want church. And now listen, we, we could start 10 more churches within an hour and, and not even scratch the surface. It, it's just such a need. Uh, the, the list came out about three years ago of churches of our type, okay? Listen what we believe. And they were able to identify 17 churches in the state of New Hampshire. Now think about that. Now, we're talking four hours drive from the top of the state to the bottom of the state and about two and a half hours drive east to west. Seventeen churches covering that entire population right there, 1.3 million people. Now, 
we think we're making a little bit of a splash with 120 in church, but I'm thinking we're already out of space. I said, we need to be growing upstairs. We need to get the sprinkler system. We need to put another addition on, put an addition on the building, be able to move up there, be able to seat 250. Here's what the people are saying. You realize we're already over half capacity for upstairs when we move there. If we can seat 250, we already got 125 coming to church. They said, what are we going to do next? Well, there is 10 acres of property for sale next door, but that, that's another miracle in the making, amen? And just trusting God to be able to take care of things. Listen, I invite you to come up and see us. God's so good to us. We were able to pick up the Hill family for support. We're one of their supporting churches. Listen, we're four years old. We support eight missionaries right now. And uh, just trusting God to do something. You say, what's going to make the difference? Listen, more churches like this need to get started to be able to increase a missions budget to be able to pick up more missionaries for support. That's how the work's going to keep going. And so there's got to be a work to be done. And God's so good to us. Now listen, it's just a matter of just, I'm nothing, God's everything. The book still works. We're going to trust Him. If He's lifted up, He'll draw all men. Listen, He died on the cross. He was lifted on the cross. He's going to draw all men. They're just waiting. Listen, I got a rental car in Atlanta last night. I'm going to, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get into Scripture for a few minutes. But listen, I flew into Atlanta. Halfway down here, I realized I'd messed up my car reservation. I had booked it. I was flying in last night, brother, and I'd booked my reservation for today. That's not good. I mean, sitting in Atlanta for 24 hours waiting to pick up a car. So I canceled that reservation, booked another one. Didn't have peace about that one. I said, I'm going to book another one. I ended up booking three more reservations total, okay, until God gave me peace that that's the one that you've got. Canceled my first company, went to a second company, canceled that one, went to a third company, ended up making two reservations with the third company in order to be able to get the car. I walked up to the counter. He said, I think this is the last car. You're getting it. Everybody else is going to have to wait. Well, God had a reason for that too. So he gives me my keys and I, I, I cut out there. I walked downstairs to get my car. There's a young lady sitting there at the counter. I believe her name is Gwenyada. And I pulled out a gospel track and the invitation from the church. I said, I'm a pastor from up in Concord, New Hampshire. And I said, listen, I said, if you're ever up there, I said, here's my information. I said, on the back side, I'll tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. And she said, oh. I said, bet you didn't wake up this morning knowing your eternal destiny was going to be in question by the end of the day, did you? She said, you know, I think about that sometimes. I said, ma'am, you got about three minutes. She said, ain't nobody behind you, nobody coming in. I said, excellent. Pulled out my Bible right there at the counter, opened up the scriptures, was able to lead that lady to the Lord right there at the rental car counter. I said, praise the Lord. I said, I said, write down your name for me so I can be praying for you. Gave me her name, everything. I said, here's our church email. Drop me an email. Haven't heard from her yet, but I'm taking that car back on Friday night. So we'll be tracking her down and getting a hold of her. But I said, listen, souls are everywhere. And the same gospel that works in Atlanta, Georgia, is the same gospel that works in Concord, New Hampshire. It's a matter of taking it to them. 
And that's what God's given us the command for. And so church, I'd sure ask that you'd pray for us. I sure ask you'd come and visit us. I've got your pastor coming up. He's coming up to preach for us. We always do a revival meeting on our anniversary. So he's up for our four-year anniversary uh, just before Thanksgiving. Be able to come up and see the work and see what God's doing. And uh, I'm so thankful for what God's doing. So pray for us. Listen, we're still trusting God for big things. And we believe God's going to do it. God brought in the money to remodel that building and uh, pay cash going through there, just trusting God step by step to get us to the point that we're at. And we believe God's going to provide for take the next step. And uh, we just believe Him. He, that's who He is. Amen. And uh, I'm trying not to lose any sleep over it each night, okay? And uh, God's so good to us. And so we're having a time. Amen. Let me share a few verses with you. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Let me share this thought with you. I want to challenge us tonight. There's a greater need, I believe, than any one of us can fathom here in our nation. God's opened the doors when our state house is in session. We do a Bible study in our state capitol with some of our representatives and some of our senators. Um, they're in Concord. That's our capital city. That's our state house. We're in there on a weekly basis doing a Bible study with our senators and our representatives. Our former governor, I've met our current governor, our former governor, she knew that I was a pastor in town that was praying for her. Give her a gospel track. I was able to witness to her and invite her to church. She never came, but she got the gospel. Our president today, I was at the debate in Manchester, New Hampshire during the presidential primary. And God put on my heart that all the Republican candidates were up there. I was able to make my way. Of course, Ted Cruz, he came to our church, has a great salvation testimony, was able to talk with Senator Rubio. God put on my heart to get to Mr. Trump. And I was able to walk up and give him a gospel tract from our church. And uh, be able to invite him to church. I'm waiting on his tithe check, amen. And, uh, but I was able to give him a gospel track. And, and uh, he said, thank you. He said, I'll keep that and put it in his pocket. Listen, souls are everywhere. But there is a greater need today than what we'll ever imagine, than what we can fathom. Well, I want to share this thought with you this evening. If I can burden our hearts and challenge our hearts... I drove down, I was in Hickson just before church, and so I came down through the city and down through Rossville and, and down through here, and, and listen, I'll, I'll say this, Baptist church after Baptist church after Baptist church as we started. I said, the South doesn't need more Baptist churches, we just need the churches that we have to get on fire for God and start doing something for the cause of Christ. I was reminded in Romans chapter 10, just look at the first verse with me, the Bible says, brethren, here's what Paul is saying. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, I started thinking, I wrote just a couple thoughts down. I want to challenge you with it on the subject matter of a burden for a nation. A burden for a nation. I've seen bumper stickers all over the place. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. And listen, we ought to. We ought to be praying because the promise is given all the way back in Genesis. I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. We know that in relation to Israel. And I see a citizen of Israel and the, the burden that's upon his heart 
Now listen, it's more than a burden. I want you to see what's here. He says, my desire, first of all, now most of the time, that's where we stop here. There is not one person that's here this evening that would say that they do not desire for America to be saved. There's not one that would say, I don't desire for America to turn back to God. But listen, it didn't stop with a desire with the Apostle Paul. He said, my desire and prayer. See, most of the time you walk into churches, they have a desire for God to do something, but the prayer to be able to see that done is not taking place inside of our churches and in our families and in our personal lives today for God to be able to work and for God to be able to move. The burden for a nation, and I want to ask you this tonight. I want to ask you three things. Number one, who will pray for America. Now listen, I'm not talking about just having a a superficial desire of, oh preacher, I want God to do something. No, I'm talking about moving it beyond the desire and saying, God, my prayer for America. Now I understand here, this is a citizen that is praying for his nation to turn to God and to be saved. A citizen praying that. And I said, God, the burden that was upon Paul's heart for his own nation was for Israel to be saved. Not just saying, hey, I want that, but he's saying it's my prayer. In other words, it was so moving him. Back in Romans chapter 9, he had great heaviness and continual sorrow. Why? For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. I wonder when our desire has been to such a point that it moves beyond the desire and it moves to our prayer life and we're so burdened for America that we'd be saying, God, if it were possible, would you curse my life so that America could be saved? Who will pray for America? Paul takes it a step further as we read down through. Listen, we love going to Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. We love salvation. We love verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. But I ask tonight who will pray for America. Second of all, I ask who will preach to America. Listen, he's talking about his nation now. He's talking about his kinfolk. According to Romans chapter number 9, he's saying, listen, I wish myself could be accursed for my kinsmen according to the flesh. And he said, I'm praying for them. But then he said down there in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Who's going to pray for America? Listen, we may even have churches that are full of people that will get on their face before God and say, God, we need America to turn back to God. Just go back and look at the two weeks before our election back in November. Listen, there were churches that were filled up all across our nation saying, God, would you give us a space of grace? Well, listen, God has given us a space of grace, but who's going to get off their knees and be able to get out there and be able to go preach to our nation 
You say, oh no, I don't know where there's a church that would have me. I do know that there's a prison down the road that'll have you. I do know there's a street corner down there that'll have you. And listen, you come on up to New Hampshire and you've got an entire state up there where you can come up and preach. Souls everywhere. You say, well, they take an old southern boy like me. Listen, the Bible says charity never faileth. I've learned you just go out there and start loving on some people and love them to Jesus, they'll respond to that. It'll make a difference. You get out there and start preaching. But listen, we walk into churches and the preachers are lined up in the church. Let's go preach to a nation. Listen, Paul's saying, listen, I'm praying for my nation to be saved. But how in the world are they going to call on them if there's not a preacher to be able to go? You say, oh no, what can I do? Listen, I never thought God would take a little blonde-headed, blue-eyed boy, got saved at the age of five years old, and let him go pastor a church up in Concord, New Hampshire, and just sit back and watch God provide a miracle. You say, God could never do that with me. I found out this. You just sit back and let God do something through you, and God will do a whole lot more than what you ever imagined. We love to sing the songs, and sister, that was wonderful. But how many of us on a regular basis actually believe what we just said amen to? That God's going to provide a miracle. Oh yeah, that's wonderful to sing about. No, what about putting it into action? Do we really trust the Holy Spirit of God that if we get out and preach this Bible that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to hearts? Listen, I got an email from a lady walked in on Easter last Sunday, last last year. Walked that aisle. She said, that's what I need. Chris, my wife, Crystal, read her the verse, taking her out and dealing with her. Except a man be born again. She stopped her. She said, that's what I need right there. I need to be born again. Bowed her head, trusted Christ. Listen, God's working in a special way in her life. She emailed me this week. And she said, I thank God every day for Granite State Baptist Church coming to Concord, New Hampshire. Lady that's been with my wife throughout this week as a result of just knocking on doors, going door to door down through our city, and she got saved. First one we baptized over on the new property after we purchased it. Got a young lady walked in the office. She said, I need that addiction recovery program you've got. Her boyfriend brought her in. I said, before you can recover, I said, you need to get saved. Gave her the gospel on a Friday night. Listen, got baptized two Sundays ago. She's reading her Bible. She's praying. She's underlining scripture to be able to take Bibles into our local jail. She's even dressing right coming to church, by the way. How about that? And I didn't have to say one thing about it. She has a sweet Holy Ghost of God living inside of her. And now she's coming to ladies' Bible study. She's coming to RU on Friday night. She's even there in midweek service. Learning to pray. Learning to study her Bible. Just so thankful. She's even on Facebook putting King James Bible verses out on Facebook. Who's going to preach to America? Who's going to look at our nation? I'm tired of it going to hell in a handbasket. And not putting some feet to our actions and feet to our prayers saying we just believe God can do it. That's all that God's looking for. Once you take a step of faith anyway. And just believe that God's going to do it and get off the pew and go start preaching somewhere. God will take care of it. 
But then can I say this? You say, oh, I'm a woman. I can't go preach. Can I finalize it with this tonight? Who's going to be pure for a nation? Who's going to be pure? Listen, you can go back and study throughout the Bible. Just go back to Proverbs 14 where it says that sin is a reproach to any people. Maybe America's not seeing revival because there's no pure vessel sitting in the pews for God to be able to do anything through. And I thought, what if we'd clean up our lives from the sin that we're holding on to on a daily basis and say, God, would you do something? Why don't we just let go of that sin that's holding on to us? You say, well, I'm not smoking, I'm not dipping, I'm not running around with that crap. No, but there's bitterness in the heart. There's unforgiveness in the heart. There's rebellion in those hearts. Listen, there's things against other Christians that we haven't brought to an altar and let go and purified our hearts for God to be able to do something. You say, yeah, but I'm just one person out of this whole crowd. Yeah, go back and ask Achan how that worked out being one that sinned in the whole crowd. Listen, I believe the blessing hand of God will be stayed upon our lives, stayed upon our churches, and stayed upon our nation if there's sin in the camp. It's not a matter of just who's going to pray for America, who's going to preach to America, who's going to be pure for America. And say, God, it's worth it for America to turn back to God for me to live a pure and a holy and a righteous life before you. That's worth it. You say, oh, I don't see the results down here. Listen, we'll see them one day up there. Listen, I had a lady email. She said, listen, September the 10th, that morning message wasn't put online. Lady I'd never met before. She said, I've been getting on for the past several weeks. And she said, I've been watching your services. And I thought, hmm, what was I preaching? I start, you know how it is, start going back over your mind. And I'm saying... She said, boy, I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I said, the internet went down. We weren't able to, to record it. And I said, but when I get to the office, I said, I'll email you the audio of the message. Emailed her the audio. Listen, last Sunday morning, she come walking in the church. And I thought, listen, you never know who's out there. And you never know who's watching your life. And watching whether you're going to continue taking a step of faith. Whether you're going to live pure and holy. You know what they're asking about Granite State Baptist Church? Are they going to be a traditional Baptist church or are they going to go the way of everybody else? Sitting back and watching. Who's going to pray for America? Who's going to go preach to America? Who's going to be pure for America? It can still work in 2017. I believe that. I believe it. Just a matter of making a difference. Just a matter of saying, God, we want you to do it. God, we believe it. You say we ain't got the money for it. Take the step of faith anyway. What's the matter with stepping out? What's the matter with saying we're just going to believe God and trust Him to be able to do it? How's that all going to work? I don't know. We've just seen God do it over and over, so we're going to take another step. We're going to keep going. Listen, our city needs it. You know what they just approved in our city? And I'll close my Bible. It don't mean much, but... They just approved, listen, it took 17 years for a church of any type to be able to get approved to come into our city. Everybody else moved out. Presbyterian moved out. Nazarene moved out. Everybody else moved outside the city. It only took two times at the variance board for, and they just approved our first mosque to be able to come into Concord. I told another pastor, I had a pastor call me, non-denominational church. He said, I was trying to think, who can I call in Concord that's going to make a difference? He's been there 28 years. Guess who he called? 
Granite State Baptist Church. He said, I had to call someone to say, hey, what can, what, what can be done about this? And I said, preacher, I don't know what you preach on Sunday, but it's time for the churches. I said, and preachers from behind the pulpit to stand up and preach the gospel. And I said, not give them a beachhead, not allow them to be able to take ground. And I said, we need to go evangelize. We need to see people saved. We need to give them the gospel. That's what's going to make a difference. Not picketing down there and saying we don't want a mosque. I said, start preaching the Bible from your pulpit. I said, and start making a difference and get out there and see souls saved. We've got to live pure. We've got to live holy. It's got to make a difference in America. Listen, as Paul said, my desire and prayer for Israel. I wonder if we'd have that burden for America. Now listen, we have it for our region. There's so much that can be done up there in, the, in New England. So much. But who's going to do it? Who's going to go preach? Who's going to say, listen, I'll go? I don't know. They're coming for a song. Listen, brother, you get it. You start playing. You start singing. God's spoken to your heart. Why don't we all stand together? I wonder who will step out and spend some time praying tonight for America. I wonder if there's some young people. I wonder if there's some families that would step out and say, I'll preach to America. I wonder if there's some that will just say, listen, I'll just be pure for America. I'll just be pure. Listen, we're talking about praying, but we're talking about going. We're talking about living it. What difference is it going to make is in our lives when we go out into eternity, what difference will there be in America because of you? What difference will there be because of me and our praying and our preaching and our purity? What difference will there be? Brother, what are we singing tonight? 37.